Welcome. Welcome to Palm Sunday 2023, the week before Easter. And so we're going to open up with the scripture, Luke 19, 28 through 40, and we're going to read this in this particular gospel. It says this, when he had said this, Jesus, he went ahead going up to Jerusalem, and it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, or the Mount of Olives, that he sent two of disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you where you will enter. You will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owner of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as they went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called out from the crowd, to him, called to him from the crowd, saying, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. So today is the day we call Palm Sunday, and it's the day that we enter a week which is called Holy Week in tradition. It's a week before the crucifixion, and it's, it's the day that this took place, and they call this week Holy Week. Now, I think it's really unfair because everything happens in like one week. And honestly, unless we went to church twice a day for the next week, we wouldn't be able to cover any, hardly anything that happened during this week. So as a preacher, I just kind of have to pick kind of one thing to talk about. And, and there's so many things that we could talk about. And oftentimes I'll just, I'll just reference some of the things every year on what we could be talking about this week. Number one, we could be talking simply about the donkey. We could be teaching a lesson on that couple different lessons. Actually, Jesus rode in on a donkey that had never been sat on before. And, and a lot of people don't realize that, that in, the, in the day of kings, kings would either come in on a horse or a donkey. They would come in on a horse. It was a show of power. It's usually after they conquered something and they would ride into that town or that city on a horse. As a matter of fact, during this time, the Romans would often ride into Jerusalem to just show everybody who was in charge, that they were the ones who had conquered. But Jesus chose to come in on a donkey. And in the days of old, when the king would ride in on a donkey or a prince would ride in on a donkey, he was making a statement that he was coming in peace. It wasn't a power statement, but that he wanted to come in peace and either negotiate or do something in a peaceful manner. So while people were waiting for him to come in on a horse, Jesus came in in peace. Another thing we could have talked about this week was the cleansing of the temple. I don't know if you, anybody of you heard about that before, where Jesus actually went in with whips and turned over the tables in the temples of the money changers and drove them out with whips. We could have talked this week about what it meant to be a disciple. Man, there's so much that Jesus talks about in this week. And he talks so much about being a disciple. This is the week where he got off of the table and he knelt down and he washed the disciples' feet. Peter said, don't wash mine. And Jesus says, if you don't let me wash you, you will have no part of me. 
And Peter goes, okay, wash everything. He's just one of them outspoken people, just wanted to serve Jesus, right, no matter what direction. Kind of wishy-washy, but he ended up being the rock. But Jesus said, you'll have no part of me. Why? Because Jesus had to go to the bottom of humanity to pick everybody back up. He had to go to the bottom and get his feet dirty and wash the feet of everybody to pick them back up into the heavens. You see, the law says we need to try to make it to heaven. And Jesus says, none of you will make it. I'll come back underneath you and scoop you all up to the heavens. After he washed his, his disciples' feet, he then said to his disciples, you do as I've done. That on this earth, we should walk this way and we should show humility and love towards people. It was during this week that he talked about the new command, which is what? The commandment of what? Love. To love one another, he said, as I have loved you. And how did he love us? Absolutely unconditionally. That's what Jesus expects from us. Not to just pick our favorites. Matter of fact, I was talking about this yesterday at breakfast with a few people, talking about where Jesus said, anybody gives to their family. Anybody's nice to their family and friends. He says, even the heathen do that. But he says, if you want to be separate and be separated like I'm separate, like God is separated, do good even to your enemies. Love even the ones you don't feel like loving. And he goes on to say, by this, the world will know that you are my disciple. That is the telltale sign of being a disciple of Jesus. Do you want the world to know that you're a disciple of Jesus? Jesus said there's one way of doing it. Serve and love other people. Serve and love other people. Matter of fact, God went on to say, if you say you love me and hate your brethren, it's a lie and the truth is not in you. You can't love God and hate your brethren. And the world will know that we belong to him if we love one another as he loved us. Man, there's so much to talk about this week. He talked about him being the vine and we are the branch. Man, I could spend five weeks on that. Just him being the vine and we are the branch. That he said, without me, you can do nothing. But with me, all things are possible. That when we're tapped into the vine, that all things are possible. That we're just the branch. But man, when we're the branch plugged in, the same sap that flows in Jesus flows in us. The very spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that made alive his mortal body, shall make alive ours. All things are possible to those who believe. Man, this week is jam-packed with stories in the Bible. We could talk about his omniscience, which means his all-knowing, we looked at one of them right there when I read that scripture. Jesus sent them into town and he said, you shall find a colt tied. And the Bible says they went and found it just as he had said. Matter of fact, he sent some more disciples in later and said, go and you will find a man who's walking with a pitcher of water. Talk to him and he will take you to the place where we will have the last supper. And the disciples went in and the Bible says again, they found him just as he had said. Those two scriptures spoke to me so heavily one time and the realization came to me that when I open my word and I find a promise of God, if I walk it out, I shall find it just as he has said.
It'll get you digging. It'll get you digging in the word. It'll get you wanting those promises and getting the revelation and hearing his voice so that we can walk out life and find it just as he has said. <laughs> oh, Peter's denial was during this week. His denial. Again, Peter, there he goes. Jesus says, who do the crowd say that I am? Earlier, who do the crowd say that I am? The disciples are, well, they're saying all sorts of things. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're a prophet of old. And Jesus said, who do you say that I am? It doesn't matter if grandma's going to heaven. Who do you say that he is? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Flesh and blood has not revealed this, but my Father which is in heaven. And right then something began to happen. Jesus began to tell his disciples that something's about to happen where the Father is going to speak to people personally. Speak to them personally. And we're in that day right now. And so he said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And a few minutes later, Jesus tries to tell them all that he's going to the cross. And Peter says, not a chance. I'll die for you. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. See, he just heard the Father, and then he was listening to Satan. So good that we get to know the Father's voice. When we know the Father's voice, it's, he doesn't always take us through the bed of roses, but he always takes us to victory. He said, get behind me, Satan. And then he told Peter, a matter of fact, while you're still on this earth, but while, while Jesus is still on this earth, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And sure enough, during this week, Peter started off like he said that he would die for him when they arrested Jesus and Peter cut off his ear. We could talk about that. Peter cut off the servant of the high priest's ear. And did you know that if you cut off the servant of the high priest's ear, it was punishable by death? And so Jesus, when he grabbed the ear and put it back on and healed the man and put him back to as if it was normal, the high priest's servant went back to normal. He wasn't just doing the high priest's servant a favor. He was allowing Peter to preach the gospel for several years to come to keep him out of jail. Oh man, there's so much to talk about during this week. You ought to read just this week in your Bible. During this week, Jesus tried to bring clarity to so many things that he was speaking about. Like I just talked about, he tried to show them of the upcoming crucifixion. He tried to tell them how they would get to the Father. No one wanted him to die, but it was the way that we could get to the Father was through the death and the resurrection of Christ. He told them that he was the way, the truth and the life, and no one went to the Father but through him. And how that was going to happen. It is during this week where Jesus said that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. I will draw all men unto myself. As Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, I will draw all men unto myself. I could park there for a week. It always made me wonder, why would Jesus reference himself to Moses picking up something with a serpent on it? Jesus is the farthest thing from a serpent. He's the Lamb of God. Yet Jesus said... As Moses lifted up on the serpent in the wilderness and people looked at it were healed, so must the Son of Man 
be lifted up. One day I realized what it was all about. And it all had to do with the scripture that he who knew no sin became sin, that I would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That he became sin so that I would become righteous. He took my penalty, took all the sin and the punishment of the world so that I would become the righteousness of God. And one thing came clear one day to me that if I could see my stuff on him, it wouldn't be on me anymore. Just talking to Peter about that this morning. God's been dealing with me in an area of my life and I shared it a couple weeks ago and on my shower door, I used to always write grace, grace going both directions, meaning that grace was leaving me and grace was coming towards me. But lately, I've been drawing this cross with a hill, and there's something that God wanted me to put at the base of the cross. Something that I've been trying to like fix myself for years and years and years and years. And so the last few weeks, when I feel it rising up in me, and I start getting mad or trying to fix it, I just hear the Lord say, do I have it or do you have it? And it's been this reminder of, if I haven't been able to fix it for that long, why am I still trying to fix it? And so I'm like, you're right, God. This is your problem, not mine. And what he's been trying to get me to see is that that problem is on him 2,000 years ago. He took it. And if it's on him, it ain't on me. I'm telling you, when we do that with different areas of our life, you'll see the power of God begin to invade your life because it's his power that sets us free. It's his grace that sets us free. You got a problem, put it at the cross. Quit trying to fix it yourself. This week is full of stories. This is where Jesus began to talk about the Holy Spirit, that we would receive another comforter. And that word another meant exactly like himself. You ever thought about that? That Jesus said, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we are receiving another comforter. And that word another means exactly like him. And so when the disciples were walking with Jesus, look what happened. They would ask him questions. He would give them wisdom. People would be sick. He would heal them. They would need answers. They would need wisdom. And he would give it. And Jesus says, when I leave, he's not going to leave you alone. He's going to send a comforter that's just like me. But even better, he can go into all of you. You all have your personal relationship with Christ. So what does that mean? Can you imagine walking with Jesus in that day? You don't need to. You're walking with the Holy Ghost, who is the same. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that whenever we interact with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost does one thing. The Holy Spirit does one thing. It speaks of Jesus. He speaks of Jesus. Of Jesus. Of Jesus. The name above every single name. Isn't that good? And we would all receive him. All receive him. Oh my goodness, so much happens this week. Judas betrays Jesus this week. What a hard situation. It's during this week that we see Jesus pray more than ever in the Bible. Not pray more than ever, but revealing what he's praying more than ever. And during this week, we hear him pray for himself. It's one of the things we really don't think about. Jesus praying for himself. To the Father. We just think he does. He was praying. He was our example on the earth. So he prayed for himself. And then he prayed for his disciples to the Father. And then the Bible tells us he prayed for us. 
you here this morning, Jesus 2,000 years ago put a prayer in motion for us through the believers on the earth. We're walking in the prayer of Christ. You think your grandma can pray? Jesus prayed for me. <laughs> oh, the prayers of Jesus. Oh, so much happened. And then we get to the garden. Oh, I could talk forever just on the garden. Oh, Jesus, just the fight that he was in. God, take this from me, Father. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Your will. The Bible tells us he sweat blood in this situation. He was under such pressure. See, a lot of people think he was under so much pressure because he was about to be crucified and how much that would hurt, but that's not what separated Jesus. There were two men crucified right beside him on the same day. What was different about Jesus? He wasn't just taking the physical pain. He was about to take all the sin and all the punishment for the sin of all the sin that ever existed on the earth up to that point and all the sin that would exist past that. And he took it all on himself. Did you know he already paid for the sin that you haven't even done yet? <laughs> Think about that. He already paid the price for the sin that you haven't even committed yet. That's cool. And that's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews, in Hebrews, I forget what chapter now, that we should have no conscience of sin. We should not have a consciousness of sin. Why? Because it's all been taken away. We shouldn't have this consciousness that we're sinners because we're not sinners anymore. What? We're not sinners. We're not. We're the righteousness of God that sins. But that's a lot different than being a sinner. You hear what I'm saying? That's why as believers, we always have to take it one step further. No matter what you're struggling with or addiction, it's good to acknowledge what you're doing. But as a Christian, we go one step further. You're not a drug addict. You're the righteousness of God that might stumble with drugs. That's a difference. And why is that so important? is because when we line up with what God says, that is where the power of God lies. When God said, light be, what happened? Light was. When he says, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you are righteous, and we are to line up with that. Yes, you mess up. But you need to understand that you are already somebody that's whole that messes up. And the more you realize that you are whole, the more power you have to overcome. And why is that? Very simply, I'll make it very simple. What do sinners do? What do the righteous do? They walk in righteousness. The more we realize who we are, the more we do who we are. Does that make sense? God doesn't want you to do, he wants you to be. And our whole journey now is just figuring out who we are. That's the journey. That's the journey, right? Right? I've never seen one of my cows tackle another cow and eat it. Why? Because they're not carnivores. You are the righteousness of God. And we just live out who God has made us to be until we, until we look like we are. Say, I'm the righteousness of God. 
Yes, you are. We could talk about more in the garden. Oh my goodness. Did you know there's a story in the Bible where the Roman soldiers go to arrest Jesus and they ask him if he is the one and Jesus says, I am. Now that word I am is what just about got him stoned every time. Because I am was saying that he was the one that is not present on this earth as a human being only, but that he always was and he always will be. In the book of Exodus, God revealed himself as the I am. And the Roman soldiers go to arrest him and the Jesus says, I am, when they asked. And the Bible tells us that all the Roman soldiers fell flat and prostrate. God had spoke as God in that moment. I am. And the Bible also tells us when that took place that this dude ran half naked through the garden. It's such a weird story to put in the Bible. Why do they talk about some dude running half naked through the garden after he says this? And I didn't know. It was just a weird story to me until I heard a Greek scholar talk about it. And he said, when they reference this half naked Boy, running through the garden, they reference what he's wearing, the ephod that he's wearing. But the word that they use for that ephod, the original language, the original Greek that they use for that word, is only an ephod that you would bury somebody in. People don't wear that ephod when they're alive. It's a burial cloth. And so when Jesus said, I am... And the Roman soldiers went, little Johnny jumped out of the grave and ran through the garden because the I am, the one that stood outside of time, had spoke. And the Bible tells us similar things happened when Jesus rose from the dead. There was dudes from years ago walking through Jerusalem, Israelites. Imagine that day. Great Uncle Paul. You were dead. I was. Someone pulled me out of the grave. Oh my goodness, he is so awesome. But the one thing that I wanted to focus on today was verse 40, because it's been our theme for the last three or four weeks. They were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees said, hey, rebuke them. They shouldn't be saying this. But he answered and said to them, I tell you, that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Everything has been created to acknowledge the Creator. Everything has been created to acknowledge the Creator. Everything should know who its daddy is. And there's only one. There's only one Creator of the heavens and the earth. There's only one God, and there's only one way to him. And we praise him for what he's done because he's worthy. We've been talking about that. Why do we praise God? Because he's worthy. He's worthy. There is none like him. He is the most high God. He is the one that sits in the heavens and laughs at the plans of, of man. At, he is God. He's God. There's only one creator and everything else is created. And yet, he calls us children. 
made in his image and his likeness. Jesus said even the stones would cry out. But what he was saying, boy, it's a shame for his own kids not to cry out. Even the stones know who created them. Why are some people so blind? Or more than that, the people that know who he is, why would we withhold any praise from him? Any praise. We've been discussing the last few weeks about praise and what it looks like, and it, 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 it looks like everything. It's from quiet to loud. I used three scriptures last week that tells us where to shout unto the Lord. Shout unto the Lord. No one ever says anything. I talked about this the last two weeks. Nobody ever says anything about somebody shouting at a sports team that gets a touchdown. How small is that compared to? We're shouting for the created. What about the creator? Lift your voice, the Bible says. Shout and be glad. We're to praise him and dance, the Bible says. In dance. We're to praise him with our hands. We're to praise him with instruments. Basically what it's saying is, whatever you can get your hands on, whatever you can do, praise God. Praise God. And then it tells us who's to do the praising. Let everything that has breath. Are you breathing this morning? So I'm going to look, hallelujah. I'm going to look at one scripture and then we're going to sing a couple songs. John 4, 7 through 28 says this. A woman of Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Water that's alive. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and your well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? <laughs> Who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said you have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. No kidding. There's no perception needed at that point. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say in Jerusalem, is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, this is what I want to focus on. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, worship the Father. 
You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now what I want to focus on for a moment, if we've been going through praise, and we're to praise God and lift his name. But for those of us who live in this time, ever since Jesus rose from the dead, that God is demanding and seeking another kind of praise and worship. And that praise and worship goes beyond physical noise and physical hands and physical bowing. That's all good. We discussed all that. But it goes into the spirit realm. And God says that the worshipers he now seeks are those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And he goes on to say, for God is spirit. And those who are worshiping now shall worship in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? It means that we are to worship God in many ways, and we'll get into that one day. But the main way to worship God, the one, the thing that he is seeking more than all, is that we worship him spirit to spirit. What does that mean? It means that God has given us his Holy Spirit. And we now can converse with him. That is something so beyond wondering where he is out there and going to a mountain to get close to him. And there's a whole reason why they went to mountains that we'll talk about one day. Most scholars now believe that Eden was a mountain because it was a place where heaven could touch earth. But now, heaven's touching earth all the time in his believers. And he's telling us that he wants worship with spirit and truth. Remember last week you said, how do I hear? The Bible tells us that his sheep shall know his voice. And a stranger they won't follow. And that means going from here to here to here. You have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you that is conversing with our spirits. We are spirit beings. And God is a spirit. Now we get to worship him spirit to spirit. And what does that mean? It means that something goes on that is beyond what I'm seeing you do. Something goes on that is beyond what you're seeing me do. That there is something going on in communion, spirit to spirit. And as you seek that, you will get more sensitive to it. But you need to know that that's a reality. That's what the Bible talks about. It says the hour is now here that we worship God in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. So that while we worship, we're having this spirit-to-spirit communication and communion with God. With God. And if you've never experienced that, I want you to know what's happening even without your knowledge. But how much more fun when we experience a little bit of what's going on. If you've never felt it, it doesn't mean it's not happened. I need to guarantee you that. God lives on the inside of you. 
but he's wanting you to learn a little bit of a different language. He's wanting you to be able to take your radio and just turn the dial to a little different spot that takes it from our head to our heart. And how do we do that? Simply just seeking by faith. Simply just taking scriptures like that, saying, Lord, I come to you spirit to spirit. Spirit to spirit. I worship you in spirit. You know, some people have been kind of asking, asking over the last few weeks what I mean about feeling a greater sense of the Spirit of God in this place every Sunday. And like I said last week, I don't know if I felt the presence of God last week like I had in, when we first started the ministry 25 or so years ago. The tide is rising. The tide is rising. And I simply just feel it spirit to spirit. Spirit to spirit. You are a spiritual being. You have a body and a soul. You are a spiritual being. And I just ask everybody this morning, as we sing these next few songs, try to connect with God in a little bit of a different way. Put away all your thoughts and just be who God has created you to be. You're going to find out if you spend a little time doing this, that that's more natural to you than listening with your ears. Because you're made in the image and likeness of God. You're made in His image. Any good? Somebody say, Father, I come to you in spirit. My spirit, speaking with your spirit. I worship you in spirit and truth. Help me to hear what you want me to hear. Help me to see what you want me to see. Father, I'm cleansed by the blood of Christ. And I have been made worthy to be in your presence. To boldly come to your throne. Here I am with the I am. Isn't it good? He's so good. He's so good. He's so good.